That being said, let's get into it this morning. If you want to open your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. Um, really, all of this this morning kind of teased me up just a little bit, kind of sets the stage for uh, the message, really. You know, uh, Brother Robert uh, talking about him being a, a staple, being a, a dedicated man of God for so many years, and, and Brother uh, Brother Papaw, you guys know him as Glenn, we know him as Papaw, um, testifying this morning, uh, these, are, these are two men that, that didn't just decide to start going to church 50 years ago or however many years ago, 60 years ago, uh, but decided to dedicate their life to God. And that's, that's what I want to talk about this morning is dedication uh, and what that really means. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, I think I'll actually read verse 1 and 2. Tricked you, Jennifer. I don't think I gave you tw- uh, verse 2. But uh, Romans 12 and 1 starts off like this. I, be- I appeal to you, the King James says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I like the way the King James says, it is your reasonable service. God's not asking anything from us that is unreasonable. Can we make that clear this morning? Amen. We may feel sometimes like what God is asking of us is unreasonable, but it is not. Uh, Beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we prayed earlier, we so pray again, Lord, as we turn to the pages of your word. We recognize this morning the power that is in it. We recognize this morning the life that is in it and the light that it gives us in our life. And I pray this morning that you would anoint me with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak your words through me, God, that I might handle your word correctly, and that this word today might penetrate. God, that we would find that, that, that extra oomph, Lord, that we might find that extra passion uh, by which to serve you, that we never find ourselves getting into a lull or into a rut uh, and going through the motions, but God, that we might dedicate our lives to you fully and completely, uh, holding nothing back, that, that we too, Lord, might be able to uh, bear the testimony as, as Brother Glenn and Brother Robert have, have um, shared with us, Lord, that so many years of serving you, being dedicated to your service, and you have proven yourself to be faithful Lord, you're not asking anything unreasonable of us. Help us, God, not to be selfish, but to be yielding to you and to your will. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a big shout of amen. 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 All right. So I beseech you, Lord, or brothers, Paul is writing to Christian people, that you present yourself a living sacrifice. Not, we've talked in, in, on Wednesday nights for the past several months or weeks, we've talked in Hebrews, we've talked about the, the literal sacrifices that they would make in the Old Testament, bringing the lambs and, and killing the lambs. And God said, that's not really what I'm after. I'm looking for people who are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto me. And God says, it's, it's your reasonable service. And so when God looks for dedication from us, first of all, I want to I talk about what dedication means. I looked, if you look into the Webster Dictionary, dedication basically means this. This is the definition. To be committed and devoted to a particular task or purpose. Okay? To be committed. How many of you, how many know there's, there's a difference in doing something and doing something? Right? But to be fully and completely committed and devoted to a particular task or purpose, or you might say person, um, is to be dedicated to it. 
So the difference, there's a difference in being dedicated to something to being committed to something and just kind of contributing to something, participating in something. You can participate in something but not be committed to it, right? So let me, let me give you this example. Some of you may have, have heard this before, but it was a reality for us last night at our house. Uh, Sweetie cooked a fantastic meal. How many of you ever eat breakfast for supper? We do that all the time. We like, I like, I'd almost rather eat it for supper than I would for breakfast. But uh, so, so Sweetie cooked up a great big ham steak and, and fried up a bunch of eggs and made up some biscuits. I know this is, I'm, I'm getting on dangerous ground when you talk about food, you know, on Sunday morning service, uh, I'll lose your attention. But biscuits and we had homemade jelly that Gloria had made. So anyway, we ate this meal. And so when I, I sit there and I look at this plate with the ham and the eggs, what, come, what becomes very clear as I look at this is that the chicken contributed to the meal, but the pig was fully committed to the meal. <laughs> See the difference? Right? I think you're getting it. <laughs> right? So, so what God is looking for from us is for us not to just contribute to his work, not just to contribute a little bit of our lives and a little bit of ourselves to his service, but to make the same kind of commitment the pig made. Jesus literally said this. Let me quote Jesus Christ. He said, if a person is not willing to take up their cross and follow me, they have no part in me, right? He said, I'm looking for people who make a living sacrifice. When something is sacrificed, it dies, right? And so that living sacrifice in which the old man, the old Dennis and his goals and his pursuits goes by the wayside, it dies and I become alive as a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? So this morning, if you want to, you can turn there if you want to, if you don't, I'm, I'm going to hit it really quick, but in, in Psalm chapter number 40, David says it something like this, uh, chapter 40, verse 6, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. This is David basically speaking to God. In, in sacrifices and offerings, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. There was another place where David wrote it something like this. Lord, if it was really sacrifices and burnt offerings that you were looking for, then I would give them. I will do whatever. But he said, ultimately, it's not the sacrifice of my hands that you're looking for. It is the dedication of my heart that you're looking for. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's me going to the core of who I am and saying, God, I devote my life to you. My, my desire is to do your will. Now, every human being and every Christian, I believe, and myself included, sometimes we struggle with that. Can you honestly admit this morning that there's times you struggle with letting God's will override your will? So God's saying, the sacrifices are great. I appreciate what you do, but that's ultimately in the big scheme of things, not what I'm looking for, not looking for your contributions here and there. I'm looking for total commitment, total dedication to me, God says. So let me kind of make it into real life terms for us. We don't have to offer any kind of blood sacrifices. You don't bring your lambs to me and sacrifice them like they did in the Old Testament. But there are different sacrifices we make as, as Christians in this day and time. You're making one right now. You're making a sacrifice to God right now as we speak. How's that? By being here, right? This is the last weekend of deer season, <laughs> all right? Everybody in this room 
has got a laundry list of to-do things at your house, do you not? There are a lot of things you could be doing right now, but you sacrifice the time doing that to come and be here in the presence of God because it's important to you, okay? And that's, that's a good thing. But here's, what, here's where, I, where I wanna challenge you. It's good, I'm glad that you're here. But a, con, a, a contribution is a once a week appearance before God. Dedication is a daily appearance before God. Does that make sense? There are 168 hours in a week. And we can give them two, maybe an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Hey, that's great. And God says, hey, I appreciate your sacrifice. But more than just your sacrifice on Sunday morning, I'm really looking for your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in which every day you come before me. It's not too awful hard. We talk about the sacrifice, but, but we can muster up enough time to come to church on Sunday morning and make that sacrifice. What we find, let me, let me put this, you guys may not struggle with this, but for me, what I find is that my, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice for the most part so far, right? Sacrifice a little, it doesn't sting. But how many of you know true sacrifice stings a little? Jesus gave a full sacrifice for us. And the pain he felt and endured at the cross and at the whipping post, it cost him something. And so we can finally, especially in, in our busy world and in America where we, we're kind of spoiled, is that sometimes we can, we can find that little bit and we'll sacrifice a little bit. God's saying, that's good and I appreciate that and I'm not knocking that. But how about you, every day you appear before me, in which every day you bring your life and you lay it on the altar and say, God, what is your will for my life? And then being willing to listen and follow when God gives us that kind of direction. A contribution says, I'll work for the Lord as it fits in my schedule. But a commitment, a dedication to God says, God, here I am, and I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I'll change my schedule if I have to, right? And so I hope this is a challenge. I'm not pointing any fingers or throwing stones. I'm, I'm preaching to Dennis this morning, and then you guys are just listening, Okay. For me, I find that sometimes it's easy to sacrifice whenever it's not, it doesn't cost me much. But to have that heart where God is drawing me. See, what happens is when, when you have a, a thought in your mind, you're busy about doing something, you have this feeling, I need to spend some time before God. That's God drawing you, right? It's God saying, I want you to come before me and present your, yourself before me. Now, we feel a lot of times, and the devil comes and, and speaks into our heart and, and basically says that as, as we sacrifice for God, we're losing. We are giving up, right? But what we find is that the more we dedicate ourselves to God, the more God adds to our life. That, that is just true. That's, that's the way God works. The more we dedicate of our life to God, the more God adds to our life. It's a blessing to sacrifice and to dedicate our, our life and our time unto God. It is a huge, but don't, don't believe the lie that, that God is somehow robbing you. It's a blessing, it's a good thing. I would venture to say that few Christians have ever really dedicated everything to Christ. Now, you may be the exception to the rule, and my goodness, God bless you if you are. But I look at my own, my own life, and can I say I've, I've sacrificed and I've dedicated 
everything of my life to God. Now, I could stand up here this morning and I could give you a big long list of the things that that I've sacrificed and the things that I've done, and I might be able to impress you. Well, I've given up this. I've, I've given up my job. I did this and this and that, all for the work of God, and I can make a big, long list of things. But even despite all of those things, I can't in my mind in good conscience sit down and look God in the eye and say, Lord, I have dedicated everything to you. I can't do that. Can you? I hope you can, but I can't. I, I find myself at times holding back, I, I, holding back on things and clinging to things. Not, and I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just, I'm just talking about sometimes, sometimes it's the time maybe that God wants me to contribute to a certain work he's wanting me to do. Maybe it's, uh, and maybe I don't do it because I'm afraid of what people might think of me or, or I just don't want to give the time to do it or I'm thinking, I'm already battling hell on every, on every I don't want to have to battle hell anymore or even worse, maybe I, my, I have a little bit of unbelief. Maybe, maybe I'm doubting, I'm not trusting and having enough faith in God, whatever be the case, but I find myself clinging to things and not fully being able to jump into the deep end. You know, when someone's learning to swim, it's easy to get into the ankle-deep water. Anybody can swim in ankle-deep water. But it's, it takes something more to dive in headfirst into the deep end, right? And so God is so patient with us. And, you know, you're, everybody in here, you may be in different depths, you know, because he eases us in. But man, there's been a lot of... Here's where the fun is. I never had any fun in the kiddie pool, right? That's no fun, you sit there and just splash on yourself. The fun is out in the deep end where the diving board's at, right? That's the way it is in our commitment to God. God says, hey, I'll bless you a little bit if you want to dabble in a little bit. But if you really want to be blessed, if you really want to see me work in your life, I need a full commitment from you. How many, how many of you married people would have been satisfied if on the day of your wedding, you stand up here before God and the preacher and all of the people and and you're giving the vows, and your spouse said to you, I will stand by you for richer, well, richer. I will stand by you in, in, in health, <laughs> as long as you're healthy. If, if the person would have stand across, and they're making a vow to you, and they would have said, look, I, I commit part of my heart to you. I, I, I commit part of my life to you, but there's certain things that I'm just going to do on my own. I don't think anybody would have been satisfied with that. Would you? You look for a full commitment. Sickness and in health. Richer and poorer. Till death do you part. That's a commitment. People find that hard to do. In marriage, in the work of God, and sometimes in children, and in our jobs. I mean, sometimes commitment can seem so scary. Because the thing about commitment is it requires a commitment, Right? <laughs> It requires time, and, and we hold that back. And I, I, Brother uh, uh, Bob Minicky, those of you that had the pr privilege of knowing Brother Bob Minicky, he was a, Bob was a great man, simple man, and, and just down to earth and always had a very elegant way of putting things. And, and he told me one time, he just got honest before me, he said, Dennis, he said, there's not a sin in my past that don't have claw marks on it. You know what I mean? The idea that God was trying to deliver him and, and you know, and, and he's, everything that God tried to pull him away from, he just hung on to it and he clawed it and, and, and just couldn't find himself to let go. And, and all of us at times struggle with that. Have we, have we ever, any of us, ever come to a point of full and complete dedication to Jesus Christ? So let me give you two examples we find from Scripture. Um, 
the, the difference, I guess, between contribution and, and, and commitment. Jesus, at one time, he stood over by, they went to the, to the temple, him and his disciples, and they stood over by the offering plates. They had the offering coffers set out there, and as people walked by, they, they threw their offerings in. And for some people, that was a big showtime. They would come up there in their fancy dress, and, and it was just, they wanted everybody to see how much money they were throwing into the offering plate. You know, some guys would come up, they're wealthy guys, and they might be throwing thousands of dollars in the offering plate. And everybody would clap, oh, what a great holy person you are that you give so much unto God. What a sacrifice. And everybody gives them glory. And as they sat there, this one little widow lady, this one little widow lady, all hunched over, comes walking up there. She's got on beggar, no doubt, a beggar's cloak. She has nothing. She walks up and she throws in, the Bible says, just a couple mites, which you look at that, it's just pennies. I mean, just very, very little money. And she throws it in the offering plate. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, that woman gave more than anybody. Now, from the natural standpoint, that doesn't make any sense. But I, the disciples, I can see them look and say, I just watched that guy throw... $10,000 in the offering plate. She threw in pennies. And you're saying that she gave more? That doesn't make any sense. He said the reason why she gave more was because she gave all she had. She gave it all. These guys still had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, it was a big amount of money, but compared to what they had and compared to, it was all for show. And they, he said, they, God literally didn't even recognize their sacrifice. Why? Because it's not just sacrifice God's looking for. It's the condition and the commitment and the dedication of our heart. Her offering meant more to him because she gave everything. This is not a, this is not a sermon about, you know, offering giving. This applies to every area of our life. God looks and he sees that the sacrifice stings a little, that we're giving, we're holding absolutely nothing back from God. God, I give you my entire life. That is not an easy thing to say. And, and honestly, I think it would be better not to say that until we're willing to, I mean, I think God would rather us come and say, God, I'm willing to give you three quarters of my life, but I want to be able to give you all of my life. Help me learn to, take, to turn loose of some stuff that, that holds me. Help me to be like that little widow lady who goes up and she's got to eat. She's got to pay bills. She has nothing. She don't know where, what, what's going to happen. After. All she knows is God is faithful. All she knows is there's nothing she can give that God won't, and she, she just casts it all in. I pray God bring me to a place, bring you to a place where we can just say, God, I bring you everything. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in, no matter what it costs me. There's a, a couple, this is, let me give you the other side of the spectrum. There's a couple we read about in the scripture, <clears throat> somewhere along the lines of Acts 4, I think, somewhere around through there. This couple is a husband and wife. Their name was Ananias and Sapphira. And during this period of time, uh, the church was really growing, the church world. Jesus had gone back to, the, to, to heaven, and, and the disciples were preaching, and people were getting saved by the droves. I mean, thousands of people getting saved. And, and so the church is, is growing. And so what people were doing in this particular time in order to get the church off the ground is a lot of people were, were selling everything that they had and, uh, and taking it to the disciples. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, here we go. I knew this was going to... No, this is not the message, okay? I'm not saying sell all you have and bring it to me. The money is not the point, so don't, don't get sidetracked here. People were selling everything that they had, and they were bringing it to the disciples, and they were, they were devoting their life completely and fully 
to preaching the gospel and leading people to Christ, okay? And so then they were, you know, as people had need, they, they divided it all up. That's how they did it in that particular time. So this husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, had a bunch of property, and they sold the property, and then they brought some of the money the disciples, it doesn't give us an idea of what the dollar amount is, but I'm just going to make up a dollar amount so that I can get this point across. So let's say that Ananias and Sapphira, sell, they sold their property for $50,000. And so they come to, to, to Peter and the disciples, and they said, we sold our property for $40,000, and here it is. And they give them $40,000. And so what we find later on as we go through the story is that they had actually sold it for 50, but they only gave 40. But they said they gave 50. They said and they pretended as though they had given everything, but they really had held back a part for themselves. No doubt one of the reasons they held back part was because what if this Christian thing don't work out? What if this church thing, we don't know what their reasoning was. I'm just thinking as a human being, this is probably what they were thinking. Just in case this whole thing don't work out, in case we really can't trust Jesus Christ, let's keep a little back for ourselves. We have something to fall back on. Okay? And that may seem like, make perfect sense. I don't think, personally, this is just Dennis speaking. This is my opinion. In my opinion, I think if they would have come and said, look, we sold our property for $50,000, we are giving you forty of it, been all good. I think it would have been fine. But they said they gave everything, and they really didn't. And Peter, I get this. Okay, I'm not saying this is going to happen to you, but hey, Peter, this is New Testament we're talking about. And, and Peter looks at Ananias, the husband. Sapphira was out. She was at Walmart getting groceries. And, so, and Ananias was there by himself, and Peter looks to Ananias, because the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter he lied to you. He, he didn't give you everything. And so Peter goes to Ananias and says, Ananias, Ananias how, much, how much did you say you sold for? 40000 You gave us 40000 you, you sold it. You gave us everything. Yep, sure did. And Peter said, why have you, now look at this, because I think we've all come close to, we don't, he looked at him and said, why have you decided in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Okay, here's the big thing. You can lie to me, you can lie to your spouse, you can lie to people, and, and we'll buy it. But we can't lie to God. He said, you have lied, not to me, Peter said, you have lied to God. And in that moment, Ananias just went, Poof. he just fell over dead. Right there, you read about it. I'm not making this up. Acts chapter four. I think it's four. Four, five, three, somewhere around through there. Poof. Falls over dead on the floor. So, the church people, deacons, I guess, or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Matt, Jeff, Dale, you guys might want to get ready. I don't know what's going to happen here today, but uh, you didn't bring a shovel. So nobody lie to God, please. We are not prepared to bury anybody. They picked his body up, they carried him out, and they buried him. And so a little bit later, of course, you know, and the wife, Sapphira, she didn't know any of this was going on. So she gets back from Walmart, and she goes in to talk to Peter, and Peter goes, says to her, and he said, did you guys really sell that property for $40,000? Yep, sure did, $40,000. And he said, the same guys that buried your husband are gonna bury you. She falls over dead in the floor, and he, said, he reiterated, you've not lied to me, you lied to God. Again, the, the point of this, it's not about the money. 
I don't even think it's about the fact that they didn't give all the money. It's about the fact that they said they gave all the money and held a part back. So what does that mean for me? Is that I want to be able to be honest with God, that God wants me to give everything to him. My entire life, my worldview, you know how many Christians there are that struggle with a, with a Christian worldview? How do we look at politics? How do we look at every aspect of life should be through the eyes of the gospel, should be the, through the eyes of Jesus. And sometimes we are so surrounded and influenced by the world around us that sometimes we struggle with that and it's hard to go against the grain. And God said, but I want you to give me all of you and to pretend like we're devoting all, and there's probably, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think there's anybody here that's just pretending like, oh yeah, I'm perfect, I've given God everything and holding it back. I'm just saying that let's take a good inventory of our own heart and our own commitment level. What is your commitment level to Jesus Christ? Nobody can answer that but you. I might, I might look at you and I might say, I might say, Matt, gosh, you could really do better. And you need to step up your game. You, you need to be more committed to Jesus Christ. And he may be doing way more for Jesus than I am. He's probably doing it in secret like the Bible teaches us to do. It's not about impressing me. It's not about turning it on to me. It's, it's about looking at our own commitment level and determining, can I do more? Can I give Jesus a little bit more of me? You can't, you can't ever give Jesus too much of you. Let me, let me ask you a question. Just think about this. I'm not, saying, I'm not asking this um, uh, to, to breed fear or put, any, or put us under a guilt trip. That's, that's not my intention. I just, want you, I just want you to think about it for just a second because this is real life. So you look at your, your faith in, in Christ and your, your walk as a Christian. Let me ask you this question. Could you die for Jesus Christ? And I, I know a lot of us, we could never really answer that question fully unless we're, until we're put in that particular situation. Okay, and for us, that seems like such a far-fetched idea. Die for Jesus, why would you even ask me that? I'm, that's never gonna happen. Here, here's the thing, and the reason why I ask this is because for the first 300 years of Christianity, after Jesus died on the cross, we read through the book of Acts, there's a lot of people that died for Jesus. Jesus had told his disciples, he said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. But if you save your life, then you will lose it. Ultimately, what he's saying is, if you aren't willing to die, if you deny me in order to save your neck, then you have no part in me. Jesus literally calls his followers to be willing to die for him if necessary. That's not an easy thing for me to say to you this morning. See, in our world... In America, it would be a whole lot easier for me to just to say, hey, oh, they already took the offering plate. It would, it would be easier for me to say, here, just put, put your money in here and all's good, right? If you'll give, if you'll give me $1,000, God will cancel your debt. And it'd be easier for me to say, hey, hey, peace, peace. You don't have to worry about a thing. God's got your back. You don't have to worry about ever going through any kind of trials like that. It'd be easier for me to say that to you, and it would be a lie. Because from the beginning of the gospel, there have been times where people have been called upon to give their life. Time and time again, for the first 300 years, Christians were persecuted and they died. Not because they committed heinous crimes against mankind, but because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, well, that, just, that doesn't happen anymore. That was, three, that was, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't happen anymore. Do you know 
that there are over 200,000 people worldwide, approximately, that number's probably higher now, but uh, a couple years ago, it was like 200 and some odd thousand people annually in the world die because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Not, not in America so much. I, I, get a, I get a magazine, it's called Voice of the Martyrs, and it, and it tells about people in remote countries, Muslim countries, and different countries where they're very hostile towards the gospel. And for somebody to become a Christian and be a follower of Jesus Christ is literally a death sentence, and they're putting their life and their family's lives in danger. And that there's times I've read stories in there where pastors, the authorities would come into a church and drag the pastor away and beat him mercilessly, and many, many times kill the pastor to show an example to all these people. Don't you follow this Jesus? Re recant, turn against Jesus, deny Jesus. There's times where they've burned people's houses down. They've taken their children and been mean to their children. And these people continue to devote their life to Jesus Christ. Fathom that. Think about that. Again, I'm, it's, not, it's not a fear tactic. I'm just saying I, I think that it's a good idea for all of us to take a good, honest look at our commitment level. I hope and pray that none of us, and in this country, will ever face a time where we have to decide to give our life for Jesus. I hope I don't ever have to know whether I can do it or not. But my prayer, and I don't think our whole life should be built up towards being ready to die if we have to. I just think that if, if every day of my life I have devoted and committed and dedicated my life to Jesus fully, then he's gonna give me the strength to do whatever I've gotta do. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about whether you know, my bills are gonna be paid or whether I'm gonna have food or whether I'm gonna have to give my life. I don't have to worry about anything as long as I'm fully committed and, and dedicated to Jesus. That's what he's looking for. Jesus said it like this, probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. And I'm gonna quote it to you again. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What are all these things? If you read the verses before it, he's talking about food, shelter, clothing, the basic necessities of life, protection, the basic necessities of life. Those things will be added unto you if you are seeking me first, if you are dedicated to me, committed and devoted to a particular task, purpose, or person. If you're fully committed, God says, I have got your back. Whether you live or whether you die. See, here's the thing. I could, I could deny Jesus to save my neck so I can get what? I mean, I'm 43 years old. Let's say I live to be 80. So I could deny Jesus to gain myself another 37 years. I do the math right? <laughs> to gain, gain myself another 37 years of living and then I'm gonna die of natural causes? You know what I mean? It's like, we have to look at it from spiritual eyes. And so I'm hoping this morning, this is my whole purpose in this, I, I may feel, make you feel a little, un, if I got you feeling just a little bit uncomfortable, I've done my job, okay? That's all I'm wanting to really do, because I'm stirred. This has kind of just stirred me, and so I hope it stirs you. Just take a look at my dedication level and think, God, I, I don't want to just go through the motions here. I want to make sure that I am drawing closer to you every day. Now, not a person in this room is going to be perfect. Not a person in this room is going to get it right every time. There's going to be times where we deny Jesus, just like Peter did, but God will bring us through this if we're dedicated to him. Amen? Amen. So are we fair-weather Christians? 
Are we stormy weather Christian? Let me explain what I mean by that. A fair weather Christian is someone who just serves God when everything in his life is good, right? Some people are like that. As long as everything's good in life, I'll go to church. And then when things get bad, oh, God just failed me. This, is, this isn't working. And, and then they bail on God. They're fair weather Christians. And then there's stormy weather Christians where when everything's good in our life, their life, they don't serve God. They do their own thing and they only come to God when everything gets bad. When my life falls apart, then I'm gonna go to God and I'm gonna ask him to fix it. But when everything's good, I kind of forget about God. Stormy weather Christian. But God's looking for all weather Christians, right? He's looking for people who will serve him and trust him and honor him when things are great and when things are horrible. Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. He wasn't talking about Missouri and Arkansas and, you know, that kind of state. Whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. And he goes on to say, if I've got a lot of food, I'm going to be content. If I don't have very much food, I'm going to be, be content. If I've got clothes, warm clothes, I'm going to be content. If I don't have any warm clothes, I'll be content. Whatever state I'm in, whatever place I find myself, I'm going to trust God and I know he'll be faithful. And he was. If you look into, you don't, and you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I always say that. You can turn if you want to. You do whatever you want. Uh, but in 1 Kings chapter 8, we, we find where God had given Solomon a task, an important task to, to build the temple. And, it was a, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I mean, it was, it was a big undertaking. They had to gather materials from all the people of Israel. They had to have workers and laborers and, you know, stonemasons and carpenters. And they went through all of this stuff and they built the temple just exactly the way God told them to build it, okay? And so once the temple was all built, Solomon gathered all of Israel together to dedicate the temple to God, to take all of their efforts, all of their work, all of their labor, all of their sacrifice and their giving because the, all the stuff that come together to build the temple came from the people. And so they bring all of the sacrifices of the people and they build this temple and they dedicate this temple unto God. And this is kind of what the scene looks like. This is in uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, down around along verse 10. When the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Okay, so when, when Solomon brings it together and he says, Lord, this building is yours, okay? It's not my building, it's not, it's not ours, it's not our material. This is your building, do with it as you please. Do with it as you want. And you know what God did? He filled it. I mean, imagine, this was a, this was a visible manifestation of the glory of God. They literally watched the glory of God come down and fill this temple, and God says, I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. I'm gonna, everything that's done in this temple is going to be anointed. Because they dedicated it unto God. Nobody held any reserve. Well, we want the church to be run this way. We want the temple, the temple to be run this way. They said, it's yours, God. Do what you want. And he filled it. And, and the Bible teaches us that we now, Paul said, don't you know that, that you, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple. We're the place where God wants to live. And all God's looking for is a person that will look to him and say, God, here I am. I'm yours. That the last that verse, Paul says, you're the temple of God. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. You don't belong to you. That's how we live, as though we belong to us. 
I'm a man of my own house. I'm a man, I'm the king of my, and we live like we own ourselves, like we created ourselves. God said, you don't belong to you. You belong to me. When that, that Holy Ghost, that, that temple, that man, that woman, that boy and that girl that looks at God and says, God, I dedicate my life to you. The Robert Grishams, the Glens of the world, I, I, I dedicate my life to you. And here's what God says I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you with my presence. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And you will be anointed to do what normal man could never do. I'm speaking to you today, and, and as you hear and the, and the Lord begins to deal with your heart, I cannot do that. I cannot convict you. I cannot convince you. It is a work of the Spirit that comes on the inside and does miraculous things in the life of the person who has dedicated themselves unto God. Solomon, it's, it's amazing. I'm not, I'm not going to read it. I'm out of time. But Solomon, when you're going through this and you read this, Solomon, when he begins his prayer of dedication to God, Okay, he's just watched the fire of God fall and fill this place. And Solomon, the Bible says he lifts his hands. You get the picture of him. He lifts his hands and he begins to pray unto God. God, we ask you to do this and God help us to do that. And he, this beautiful prayer. You can read about it in 1 first, first Kings chapter 8. It's beautiful prayer that, that Solomon prays. He's standing, this is key. At the beginning, he's standing with his arms stretched. But at the end of that prayer, the Bible says he rose up from his knees and his hand stretched. What does that tell me? Here's what I gather from this picture, is he begins to pray and begins to dedicate not only the temple, the building, but he begins to, begins to dedicate himself to God. He says, God, I'm just, a, I'm, a, I'm just a man. I don't know how to lead these people. I need your help. Help me to know what you want me to do. He didn't want money. He didn't want victory. He didn't want fame. He just wanted to know what God wanted him to do. He just wanted to know how to lead the people the way God wanted him to lead it. And so he's, he's praying. He's dedicating not only the temple, but he's, he's dedicating himself to God. He's standing. And at some point in time through that prayer, it became so meaningful to him, became so powerful that he drops to his knees and his hands before God and he's pleading to God, God, I dedicate myself to you. And I know you'll be faithful. Wow, what an amazing thing. And God just opened the windows <clears throat> and poured an anointing out on that guy. We find the, the Bible says that Solomon, nobody had more wisdom. No human being that has ever lived had more wisdom than Solomon did. Amen? <clears throat> because he was dedicated, not just contributing, <clears throat> but fully dedicated and committed to what God had called him to do. So let me just kind of bring it to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us in for a landing and kind of set the stage here for the next part of our service. <clears throat> Every one of us this morning make individual decisions every day. The greatest decision we'll ever make is the one to, de to dedicate our life to the Lord. I love it when people come to church. I really do. <clears throat> I love to see the house full. People walk through those doors on Sunday morning. But you know what blesses my heart even more? When you all come to me with testimonies of what God has done for you on a Thursday evening at 7.49 p.m. I was reading the scriptures and this is what God showed me. To watch you grow, amen? Watch you grow in the spirit and become more yielded and dedicated to God. For people to step up and say, God's dealing with me to, to do this, to work in this area of the church, whatever, I'm wanting to commit to God. 
let me, let me pause here for just a moment. Bow with me this morning today. We'll, we'll go to this next section here in just a second. <clears throat> Father, today, as we take a good inventory of our hearts, God, as you have just got all up in our grill and walked all over our business, um, though it stings, we thank you for it. I know that we all, myself included, have a tendency to paint a picture of ourselves. And we always paint it a little prettier than it, is, than it should be. We see ourselves in, in a pretty good light. But uh, God, you can expose the things in our life, the things that we've clung to and held on to, the things we're not willing to surrender. And I pray that you'd help us as your people, as Christians, who are saved already, to learn how to let go. Learn how to give all, as the little widow lady did. And watch you move and operate in our life in amazing ways. And I pray, God, this morning for any and all those who are here this morning who are not saved, who are not Christians. I pray that today, God, as you move in this place, they might be able to come to a place where they can dedicate their heart. They can dedicate their life to you. Just as Glenn said earlier, that, that moment when they can hear you calling. They can sense you drawing them that today, just a simple dedication of the heart, that they might be saved. Let nothing hinder that. Let nothing stop that. Let nothing of hell come to confuse that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you don't mind. I'm just going to look around here for just a second. I want to go on to the next part of the service. We're going to have a baby dedication, but I want to stop for a second and just give you an opportunity to this morning, just between you and God and me, not a person is looking around, and you say, Dennis, I'm not saved, but, I, but God has dealt with my heart this morning, and I want to dedicate my life to him. Just slip your hand up. I want to dedicate my life to him. Dennis, I don't exactly know what all that means and what that Looks like completely, but I do know that I need him. I just want you to pray with me, Dennis. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. All right, thank you. I want to just kind of move on to this baby dedication part of the service now. Um... We are so very blessed in this church to have a lot of young families. We're glad to have the old families too. The older folks, the veteran folks or whatever. I don't know what PC is. I've never tried to be real politically correct. It's just hard to do these days because that always changes. But um, young couples in this church, and I know I joke about it all the time, but I like to. I just think it's funny. Whether you laugh at my jokes or not, I like to, to laugh at my jokes. But, you know, there, uh, there is... Uh, uh, we, we talk and promote church growth around here. And we like to see people, um, we like to see the church grow from people being born again. And we like to see the church grow from people being born first time, right? Babies. And so we have just, as we have just over the past year, talked about church growth and encouraged church growth. Some of these young couples have taken up the gauntlet and have taken us serious. And we, they are growing this church. And so what a blessing it is. And so I want to just start off, Matt kind of, uh, did the uh, he set the volleyball for me here, and I'm just going to spike it real quick. Uh, talking about 
Hannah, uh, a lady we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and this is uh, verse 10, it says, well, first of all, this woman was barren. She could not have children. Her heart's desire, her only heart's desire was that she could have a child, and she, she was barren. She wasn't able to. And so this is, she begins to pray before God. Uh, this is verse 10 of chapter 1. It says, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. So you can imagine it like this. She's just so heartbroken. She's praying to God. She's not being loud. She's just praying to herself. Lips are moving. And so basically in a nutshell, Eli, the, the, the priest, comes to her and says, look, God is going to grant you your request. God has heard your prayer, and he's going to give you a son. And then it says this in, uh, let's see. I wanted, there's one particular verse I want to read, and I've got myself all. She's excited. She's going to conceive. She does. She has a baby. And then she brings that baby Ah, here we go. Verse 21. The man Elkanah, that was her husband, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said, do what seems best to you. And that's what all of us husbands say to our wives, right? And our wives tell us we're going to do something. We say, just do whatever seems best to you, right? So this guy was smart. Uh, only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with the three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord, and as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Ultimately, what she has done is she has brought her baby, and I think, uh, we'll have to check on this and see whether me or Matt are right, I think it was after a year, one year, but now I may be wrong. You look it up, and I will concede if I'm wrong, but I think it was one year uh, that she weaned the child, gave him a year, and then, and then brought him to uh, Samuel. So I, I'm... I'm I'm feeling now, I'm wondering if I should have challenged him in public because I'm now, now I'm second guessing myself. We'll see if it was a year. But bottom line is there was a period of time she, she kept him, she weaned him, and then she took him to the temple to dedicate him unto God. What she's saying is this, God, you gave me this child and so I am dedicating him back to you. I could not have had this child without you and therefore I am giving him back to you and glorifying and asking, thanking you for this. Now here's the thing. She took this little boy, whether he was a year or three years old, we'll find out here. So she took this little boy to the temple and said to the priest, here, I'm dedicating this boy unto you. I am asking, please do not do that, okay? Don't bring me your child. I can see the little baby's going, you bring, it would be like you bringing your child and say, Dennis, we have, we have dedicated this child unto God. Here you go. And then I've got to raise him. And then, you know, but that's literally what's, what, what happened here. Took him to the temple and dropped him off. And, and Hannah went back one time a year. As they would go to the temple to make sacrifices, she would take a little bigger coat for Samuel. Because he's growing, she only seen him once a year. 
she had true, now that's, remember now, when you dedicate something, it's now off the table. It's not yours anymore, right? I dedicate this, it is given and you can't take it back. And that's what she said, I'm giving this to you so when we give our life to God, we should never want to take it back. And so these families that are gonna come here shortly, we call this a baby dedication and now this is a great opportunity for you to, to doll those babies up, dress them up nice and cute and sharp and get them up and for the whole congregation to see and that's part of the fun, that's good. It's a chance to, to show, I mean, you're proud, you know, this is your baby and you want everybody to see it and that's good and for all of us to get to know these families, it's good but ultimately for me, when I think of a baby dedication service, I think about it being literally like it was with Hannah. God, I couldn't have had this baby without you. Lord, I thank you for this gift and I dedicate my child back to you. Not that you're dropping it off here at the church and you're only gonna see it once a year. But you're saying, God, you take this child and you make it the man or the woman that you created it to be, amen?